0: Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid enterprises that manufacture here in America, brought here by all metals and Fort fruit, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Weiss.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. My name is Tim Grady. My co-host, Lou Weiss is not with us today. I think he's off trying to cut a syndication deal to give us a terrestrial footprint in, order, in addition to our online footprint, but we do have four guests with us today, so be patient with me just for a moment as I do some introductions. These are individuals who are all familiar with the skills gap that's been uh, talked about for a, for a long time now in manufacturing, not necessarily something new as we identified in a radio show a while back. There was a skills gap back in about 1941 when all the men went off to war and they needed manufacturing people and manufacturing to make tanks and planes and guns, so they had a real skills gap there. But so we're talking about the 21st century skills gap, and we have with us Ray Vikari. Ray is the director of New Jersey Advanced Manufacturing Talent Network. I think that's an association with the New Jersey Institute of Technology. Is that correct,
2: Ray? I'm, sure I'm not getting ready here. I don't know uh, technically what's
1: happened. Uh, let me go to Ian Crammel, who's Executive Director of Smecaforce. Uh, uh, Ian, are you uh, with us here? I am with you, and uh, Ray McCarty is my colleague right down the hall. So I know his program definitely has uh, is associated with New Jersey of technology. If you would explain that to our listeners, please. Well, metaphors is a... The study is also
3: those who won't listen uh, to let them know how great manufacturing is and how it is very very different uh, from even five years ago Um, and uh, it's really uh, a wonderful opportunity to to spread the word and some great best practices uh, to do that
1: well we appreciate you trying to get the word out because that is a key component of trying to get parents to understand that manufacturing is not dark dirty dangerous and declining anymore Ray, do we have you back with us on the show? Yes. Sorry for that problem. Uh, I'm back here. (laughs) Thanks for having us on the show. And uh, what I was trying to say um, with the poor phone connection is that uh, this is a program manufacturing NJ or the Advanced Manufacturing Account Network is a program funded by the State Department of Labor and hosted at NJIT. And Basically, what I do is uh, with Michael, we ended up working with Ian as well, because we're all interrelated, the Dream and Do It program, the Metaforce program, they're all part of, uh, you know, we actually started with this talent network, and they're all working independently now, which is terrific. But um, we go around the state and we talk to manufacturers and find out what their talent needs are, and a lot of them are hiring. The problem is they can't find the right skilled workers. So then we talk to educators like the uh, CTE schools and the community colleges and the four-year institutions, get them to develop the curriculum that will help meet the manufacturer's needs. And then the hardest thing is actually to talk to young people and other and adult job seekers to convince them to go into careers in manufacturing, because manufacturing has a very poor stereotype. Even though we know that there's a revolution in manufacturing going on today, manufacturers are coming back and growing and Well, Ray, thank you. And we have Jörg Klich with us on the show today. He's Vice President of Operations for MTU America, which is a product brand of Rolls Royce Power Systems. Jörg, how are you today? Hey, I'm very, I'm fine. Thank you very much. And, and thanks for having me on the show. We're very excited to hear from you. You're, you're a manufacturer, you are making uh, diesel engines um, for off road applications, as I understand it. Uh, give us a background in MTU America, if you would, please. Yeah. So MTU America is a subsidiary of Rolls-Royce Power Systems, which is headquartered in Friedrichshafen, Germany. And as the name already says, uh, we belong to the Rolls-Royce Group as a whole. So here in North America, we have uh, three manufacturing sites. Um, one in Dubai, Michigan, one in uh, Montego, Minnesota, and one in Aiken, South Carolina, where I'm currently at. Um, we built basically off highway diesel engines up to uh, about 10,000 horsepower. Uh, they go in all kinds of applications, um, for example, um, Navy industrial applications, mine haul trucks. Uh, governmental business, um, E&I, oil and gas, which is going a little bit weak. Um, so we are very diversified, we are a very customized business, uh, and we have about 1,000 people operating here out of North America. Well, I just want to bounce kind of back and forth between uh, the four guests that we have on the show. And, Ray, I'd like to go to you. You mentioned earlier that you talk to young people, and that's kind of part of the challenge. What's the most difficult part of that process? Well, we've uh, we've done this for years. We've convinced uh, young people that the best thing for them to do for their careers is to go immediately to college, and, uh, well, and that's solve all their problems. we 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 don't deny that college-educated folks make more money on the average, but what we do suggest is a better route, is, especially for a large number of our young people, to go to work first. Go to work and make a learn facility. Learn the operation. Then have the company pay for their college education. A lot of companies are going to do that. Uh, the end result is they're going to uh, have an education and they'll have a work experience and they'll have a career with a great company. Uh, you are going to come back to you. Well, you, you made a very interesting comment before the show, and I want to share that with our listening audience uh, about the age of people who are running multi-million dollar pieces of equipment. Can you share that, please? Yeah. Um, so let me back up a little bit. I sure. think uh, part, part, uh, part of the idea is that. Mm-hmm. Us being a German-based company and me coming from Germany, we do have some experience with apprenticeship programs. So what seems to be radical in the U.S. is quite usual in, in Europe and especially in Germany. So what I said at the beginning was I do have a hard time to convince other industries around this area to join us in this effort to bring actually high school students to the facility and train them because um, they are not used to have a fifteen old a, a fifteen year old run a one point five million hellon machining center um, but um, i I like the comment that was made um, to have the young people work before they go to college and and let me just bring an example when we started here, we didn't have this program and I had young people knocking at the door and say, hey, do you have a job for me? And I said, well, what have you learned? And he said, I am unskilled. So I said, let me get this right. You go 12 years to school in order to become unskilled. (laughs) And I said, I think we can do better than that. And this was actually the starting point for the program that we have in place now. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, Ian, what uh, what kind of challenges do you run sure. into effective uh, work? I think the greatest challenge is to create a viable, healthy partnership between industry who are the job creators, the folks that do the hiring, uh, the recruiting, the retention, and educators uh, who sort of have their own agenda for what they believe is needed for the marketplace. So the greatest challenge for me is to really be the bridge and to help people talk with each other and not past each other. Uh, this is all that career readiness for for learners. So whether they're young people in high school or community college or people that are, have gotten college degrees and haven't been able to find a job successfully and maybe they see manufacturing as a good option, all of those folks have the ability to uh, now Get a, a relevant education through our academic partners uh, with industry guidance. So, so creating that multi layered partnership with support from other groups like affiliations, like, for instance, we're we'll partnered with the New Jersey Business and Industry Association, New Jersey Manufacturing Extension Program, the German American Chamber of Commerce, of the Greater New York, folks like Ray, and the Advanced uh, Manufacturing Talent Network, all of these. Different groups have the same goal, the same objective in mind, but different ways of getting there. And if we all can sort of get on the same page and work together, it makes life so much more easy. It makes the the, um, the road to get to the objective um, much more effective and efficient. And that's really what we're looking to But the challenge is to get everybody on the same page and, you know, not worry about who's going to take credit for what and, you know, just really get everybody's cooperation and the feeling that they're being heard and they're actively a partnering in the program. Yours, are you in fact working with uh, any of the uh, institutes of higher learning around you in any of your three locations? Yes, yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we are. Oh, I'm sorry, We're talking to? Uh, okay, to Jörg Kring. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry, I I wasn't quite sure. Yeah, what we do, we actually work with the school districts mm-hmm. out of I think, in South Carolina. Um, and I just can echo on what was said. Um, this um, adventure can only go on if everybody works together. But what it takes is to have somebody needs to take the lead. And it doesn't really matter if it's the industry or if it's the school district or if it's the chamber of commerce. In some areas I've seen that. But somebody needs to lead the effort and then um, the others will follow. In our case, what we have done, um, we were visiting an institution here in, in Aiken County which is called the, uh, Career, uh, the, technical, the Career Center. So it's actually not the college, it's part of the, the school district. Um, and what they had, what we detected was they had all the machinery and the equipment that we would have needed to to start an apprenticeship program um, and we simply start talking to them and say, could you guys imagine to create a program that's basically tailored towards what we know works for us in Germany and they were very open and said sure, let's try it and, and then the very first thing was we just brought the curriculum which was available in English and discussed it with them, and they said, "Yeah, we think we can do that." And that was the starting point. It's a terrific way. It's just a great way. I, I, for years, have been a proponent of industry and education talking to one another, and I'm, I'm very glad to see that happening in manufacturing. I think it's a it's a huge positive. Um, I just want to, uh, to go to uh, uh, Mike Michael for just a moment. Uh, what are some of the misconceptions that we're struggling with, Michael?
3: Uh, you know, it's interesting. It, it's People have the uh, traditional mindset that manufacturing is, is boring, it's dirty, it's uh, performed in dark and dangerous places, um, uh, and that there's no future. Uh, you're stuck in a position, and you'll be there for years and years. And these perceptions are very, very Deep rooted, uh, they they are well implanted in uh, parents, especially uh, because they've been thinking in these terms for 30 years. And so it's a, it's a great challenge, but a, but a wonderful challenge to really reintroduce people to advanced manufacturing when when you're speaking with a parent. You want, one can envision the, the, the dynamic by handing someone a, a wrapped present, and when they open the present, their eyes light up, and, and you can actually see that when you speak to somebody's parents, they have no idea that uh, things like you know computer programming, electronics, mechanical systems, hydraulics, all of these elements are are are. Involved in advanced manufacturing now, and involved in specific product lines. And this mechatronics concept is one that's a, uh, that's an important part of that whole uh, genre. So
1: uh,
3: it's a lot of fun to uh, to get the word out. We have outstanding examples here in the
1: U.S. and abroad. Thanks, thanks, Michael. Um, Ray, how big is the skills gap that you know we've been talking about uh, for some time? It's tremendous. It's, it goes, it's very deep rooted, too. Um, you know, the number one problem with skills in uh, not only New Jersey, but all of America, maybe all of the world, is the soft skills gap. You know, the fact is that uh, you know, a lot of the young people have uh, issues with soft skills. So when I'm talking about work ready skills, these uh, companies are crying for people that are just willing to show up and work on time. The, uh, you know, that are able to take direction from, uh, from a supervisor who willing to stay and work all day and not go home right away. Um, <laughs> you know, those are basic soft skills that are needed. And then, uh, then then you have after after that, if you fill those needs, you have know, basic technical skills that are needed. Companies are crying for machinists, uh, lathe operators, uh, milling operators, welders. Even technical sales representatives, which is the number one open position in New Jersey, technical sales, can you imagine that? It's the highest paying job also. Mm. Uh, And then you get into uh, the higher uh, valued uh, types of skills that you get your uh, college graduates to focus more on and those with credentials and certifications um, that are needed as well. There's a tremendous amount. And you know, there's skill gap. That's been created over the past 30 years has created a tremendous opportunity for young people. The average age of, an, of a, manufacturer, a manufacturing employee in New Jersey is approaching 60 years old. Young people going in, even if they start at the bottom of the scale, can quickly move up the ladder. This is the best opportunity in any industry to get promoted and move up the ladder quickly. Oh, you bring up a great point. But let me go to to your for just a minute because you're you're really on the ground. You're the manufacturer looking at it from your perspective. Are you finding it as difficult as we're hearing to get the people that you need for your manufacturing operation?
2: Yeah, it, it definitely
1: is. When we started here in 2010, we had about... 60 positions for uh, what we call blue color worker. And we mm-hmm. had about 1,800 applicants. So we had uh, well a good source to, to choose from. But as we grew, we realized that uh, we got less and less um, employee with diesel engine experience and that's why we came up with this program. But I would really like to uh, to talk about two aspects that were just brought up uh, regarding um, the gap and, and what's causing it. Uh, what we have realized is it's actually true. It's the, the parents and the teachers that need to be convinced. And we have seen it because what we do is we not only talk about manufacturing no longer be dark, dirty, and dangerous. We show it to the people. So... For the school district, for those that were interested, we actually invited the parents and the kids and said let us show you the facility so you understand what we mean when we say we want to um, educate and train your your kids uh, to become an industrial mechanic. And the best point was when we went to the test cell, we all test our engines. And we opened the doors, and there was this engine sitting, which is about um, 5,000 horsepower strong, and we started up the engine. (laughs) You could clearly see one of the fathers, he was beaming at me and said, look, if I would have had the opportunity when I was young, I would have done it right away. Uh, So the parents need to be convinced, and if the industry organizes it that they come and look at what's available, they are convinced. The second aspect, what I've heard, is the soft skill. And I 100% agree that soft skill is something that they learn as an apprentice on the side. And what I mean by that, I have seen another example. I I operate always on example because it makes it more lively.
2: Um,
1: Usually when the day comes to an end, uh, the workers are lining up in front of the clock. So one day I saw the supervisor walking up to that group, and he looked at that group and said, something is wrong with that picture, and it was interesting because everybody was looking at each other, and they didn't realize what he means, and then he said, why are all the apprentices standing in front of the role? So the message was, you guys are young, you should learn, you should not be the first one that are out the building. And the next day, the picture was totally different. We also had something when one of the apprentices was late, and his supervisor walked up to him and said, hey, you cannot be late, we depend on you. So this is all the soft skills within half a year or a year or even two years. They spend usually two years in our facility, about 1,000 hours. Uh, They totally changed their personality. We do not only have these good examples. We all have also had also had bad examples. We had some that said after half a year, hey, this is not for me, and they quit the program. And uh, one of them wants to become a football player, which is fine with us. Uh, but this is all part of this learning experience. And clearly, that's a challenge that uh, we have talked about on manufacturing talk radio with uh, industry associations and. Uh, people from the federal and state governments and people from manufacturing. And that is, you know, it's unfortunate that some of the soft skills have somehow disappeared. And I think part of them have disappeared in uh, the high school and even the middle school, what they call middle school now, what I used to call junior high school, when all the shop classes disappeared. And people who worked with their hands didn't have an opportunity to work with their hands, even if it was uh, – potting clay on a potter's wheel or working in wood in the wood shop, learning basic tools. Uh, that is an area that I think we're going to have to, uh, to reintroduce and I'm just wondering Ray if you're hearing any of that anywhere in New Jersey where they're trying to reintroduce shop classes if you will. Yeah there are there are places that I think the schools are getting the messages about that. Um, Certainly, the CTE schools, the Votech schools, are doing that, uh, and we're getting a lot of uh, regular schools that are also looking at that. I was at a uh, I think it was the Somerset County School District. They had a big uh, program for high school students, and they're introducing a work-ready skills program, uh, and working it into their curriculum, so that the kids can learn how to do this. So, yeah, you know, it goes back to. but he's really excited to see that uh, because not only will it allow students to have that opportunity, but, you know, it, it involves also industry on campus. There's going to be opportunity for a prototyping to be happening here. The industry will be mixing with the professors and the students. And once again, it's a platform for this kind of partnership that is so much uh, in need. It certainly is indeed, uh, Ian, because I think for years and years there was kind of a um, – uh, intentional hands-off between industry and education, education did what they did, industry did what they did, and uh, that has kind of created the skills gap challenge that we have today. So the more that the two uh, bridge that uh, gap, the healthier manufacturing will be in this country. I just want to go to Jörg for a moment here, Jörg. Uh, You come from Germany. They have terrific apprenticeship programs here. You've introduced this apprenticeship program here. What is the program about? Uh, the, the program we are using our training is, and um, I already mentioned, we call them industrial mechanics. So these are people that are used to work with all kinds of metal. So one part would be possibility is a machining center where I machine parts cast iron or steel from a raw part into a specific part. In our case, it would be a cylinder head or flywheel housing or deal case housing. That's one part of it. The second one is actually to build engines. So where people need to be able to read drawings, build books, need to be able to measure things, need to understand what a torque is and Understand why it's not good to overtalk. Much or more is not better in this case. Yes. Uh, they also learn how to test engines. So there comes a little bit from the electronic part of, with it. Uh, they also learn how to paint engines. So it's basically the whole process. And throughout this process, they can really um, find out where they are. Uh, fortunate, and then afterwards they can say, you know what, I like the machining area, I like engine, building engines or testing engines. Or some of them say, hey, I found another company that I want to join and they leave us and they get hired, what we have seen recently by another company who has a similar business. Or we have even students that say, I'm so excited, I really want to go to college now. Um, and they have a way better background because they completely understand what they study. And if they study, they might come back to us, and then it's easier for us uh, because there's not a complicated recruiting process because we know the person. We have seen them for about two years, and you can believe me, after two years, you exactly know if the person fits the the company and vice versa. No, it's very true. It's very true. I, I have talked to many manufacturers, and... When they first hire someone, they think, they hope the individual fits. Um, You don't really know until, oh, an early read would be 90 days, but you're really into a hire six months before you you begin to get a sense of who they are and what they can do. We're going to be back in just a few moments to talk to our four guests and uh, delve into these apprenticeship programs and what uh, the educational institutions, particularly the New Jersey Institute of Technology, is doing. After a few uh, words from our commercial supporters, and our sponsors. So we'll be right back with Manufacturing
2: Talk Radio.
0: Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back.
2: How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. Thirty years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever. At ThomasNet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason ThomasNet.com has become the go to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it. And it's all great. Go to ThomasNet.com today and see how top five supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania, is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778.
0: All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio.
1: We appreciate the opportunity to be speaking with the four individuals here at Manufacturing Talk Radio. Ray Bakari, who's the director of New Jersey Advanced Manufacturing Talent Network, Ian Trammell, who's the executive director of MeccaForce, Michael Marchetti, who is the manager of Dream It, Do It, which is a program from the Manufacturing Institute in Washington, D.C., and your Klisch, who's Vice President of Operations for NTU America. Michael, I just want to go to you for a moment. You've talked a bit about reaching out to the younger people. How young are we talking about?
3: Uh, the standard programs were developed for middle school through high school. However, uh, we're beginning to look at the uh, kindergarten through fifth grade as well. Um, You know, there's a lot to be said for you know the cake being baked by the time you're 16 or so. (laughs) So, we're really trying to get to the uh, to the younger people to have manufacturing be a part of their lives, as opposed to something that they see in the distance somewhere. And uh, and again, it gives us that opportunity to uh, to include uh, mentors, whether they be parents, educators. Uh, you know uh, anyone that uh, that really has a feel for for uh, what stimulates and, and really promotes interest and activity
1: the senior year so at any given time we do have 12 and uh, the program is actually exactly doing what it's supposed to do because these students have various uh, opportunities afterwards the program is not a guarantee or neither for the employer nor for the employee to be partnering up afterwards it's more opening up opportunities So what I mean by that, we have students that after they graduated, um, they joined the company, we made them an offer, they joined the company, they are still with us. We had others that we didn't make an offer, but they joined the company that is about three miles away with a similar business. And we had students that said, I'd like to go to college. And um, we found a way actually to support them with a, um, tuition reimbursement program. So these are the three basic types how these students develop. And uh, I had one manufacturer talk to me and say there's another point. We actually pay our students so for every hour they are in the facility, they get uh, at their first year start at $8.25 and in the final year they get 9 about $9, so if they spend 1,000 hours in our plant they make about $8,500 uh, uh, $8, throughout this course, which is uh, nice pocket money for them. But um, So what I try to say is that these, these programs work out very well for both sides, and that one manufacturer told me uh, so what I'm doing if I train this person all all year long or two years long and then they go away, and I said, well, what if you don't train somebody and they stay?
2: <laughs>
1: the problem is not the problem is not that they go away. I think an, another side effect is if every industry would do that, we would actually elevate the level of knowledge of the young adults and the working community, which can only benefit us because manufacturing is supposed to come back to the U.S. and somebody needs to work. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a great point. That, you know, our partners in manufacturing uh, are constantly saying that, you know, this is an investment, but what would be the cost if we didn't do this? And, you know, I'm sure my colleagues, who speak German, could explain this a little bit better, but what I keep hearing from the uh, German-run, German-owned companies. So even though that this is an investment and the effect won't be immediate in terms of getting a highly skilled professional workforce pool, it's this idea of the Manischewitz fold, this like this care for society, this care for the greater good, and the company is investing in not only the economy but in people. And if the company is going to find itself located, for instance, here in New Jersey, then there should be a certain responsibility that companies and industry have uh, with each other toward the greater good. So that's really refreshing for me to hear as we forge all these partnerships. Now, you're, do you have people lighting up at your door trying to get into the apprenticeship program or or you, what kind of selection process do you go through to find your 12? Yeah, so we have actually schools and parents calling us and asking us how they get there. Uh, students or their kids into the program. Uh, the regular process is actually through the school district. So we have it, it starts out that we introduce the program basically to uh, eighth grader. Uh, what we do is what we call a girls day. Interestingly, once a year we invite all eighth grader out of the the school district to visit the facility. And we show them the facility, and we explain a little bit about the program. So that's how we plant the seed and try to prevent the, the students to leave prior to going to high school, because they said, I, I don't want to go to college, so why should I go to high school? So we try to, to keep them at school. And then ninth grade, tenth grade, they come to this career center, And in the 10th grade time, um, the teachers at the career center introduce the program as well and do kind of a pre-selection or uh, try to find out who is interested in the program. And then at the end of 10th grade, at the second half of the school year, we come in and introduce the program. And then those that are interested have to go through certain tests. They do a math test. Uh, They go through a regular interview, like uh, they do if they hire in. They go to a regular drug test, like every new employee that we have. So this whole process, even if they are not hired, they are treated like regular employees. And as a matter of fact, they are employees during this period for about two years. That's also one of the concerns that parents and, and uh, other companies had was insurance. How are these kids insured? And since they are in a registered apprenticeship program and employed by us as the company, they are actually double insured. One through the program and one through the company. So there is nothing that, uh, that is threatening from this side. Wow, that's excellent. And even to bring up an interesting point about you know, the greater good, you know, for those employers who maybe aren't large enough or, or don't, uh, aren't are quite sure about uh, that piece of uh, being in the community, uh, just let me share a statistic with them. Uh, the wrong hire, the cost of the wrong hire right now is covering, assuming that that individual is hired and they come on for six months, Mind you, they're not making $100,000 a year, but the cost of those six months is about $50,000. That's about what you lose in wages, the physical space they take up, the the things that they use during the six months, the cost of other people trying to teach and train them. When you lump it all together, the wrong hire is about a $50,000 mistake, so any time that Companies can work uh, together, particularly with educational institutions, to kind of throttle people up to find the right fit for them. It's an excellent thing to do, and certainly manufacturing is a a great place to be. Uh, We 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 had some fun at the Manufacturing Talk Radio because we were hearing so much about dark, dirty, dangerous, and declining. So we said, okay, let's come up with four terms that aren't negative about manufacturing we came up with digital dynamic diversified and demanding and it is a very demanding career. Um, Ray, what is happening in terms of the uh, the manufacturing talent network uh, you're out there talking to manufacturers what other apprenticeship programs are you hearing about? Well what we have is uh, you know the next course program we described to you um, and um, you, know, that's, you, you could say, what we're trying to do there is to expand a program that's built for young people and introduce them to older people as well, into older workers. The, um, we call them the adrift population. These are uh, youngsters that have gone to college and have graduated, but don't have the proper skills to really get a job. I mean, how many how many of you know of uh, college graduates flipping burgers out there because they haven't been training properly? So, um, you know, we have the opportunity uh, as we develop all these programs in all the schools, these apprenticeship programs, these Mecca type programs, you know, where we're providing the technical training and the workforce skills training uh, to expand that to these people who even completed their college degrees but are looking to really develop a good career. Now, Ian, how does Mecca actually accomplish that? So MECA Forces has a couple of goals. Number one is to change perceptions. Just as you were just saying about the fun that you have, you're trying to kind of come up with a different approach to understanding manufacturing. That's our day in and day out as well. It was one of the things that industry is very concerned about doing. They know they have to do their part. And so changing perceptions is a part of what we do. Another is to help and help. The industry itself create a relationship amongst themselves that is productive. So one example that I give is that when we started up, we got together with some interested industry, and they were they're all advanced manufacturers. They, even though they produce different products, uh, they all were able to get together and decide on some common core competencies that were needed. And then we were able to go from that, we taking those core competencies to our educators, and they wove all of these competencies into the academic curriculum. So that what we're offering is a this dual education approach where you have the academic classroom experience course, but then you also have, as we've been hearing from the other folks online, on uh, this uh, hands-on experience, this getting your hands dirty, uh, you, you sort of kin- kin- uh, kinesthetic um, approach to learning, which, you know, not everybody is um, cut out to sit in a classroom six hours a day and just, you know, not everybody's a book learner. There's always going to be some kind of capacity for that to understand sort of the underlying principles in the end, it's about career readiness for the folks that we're preparing. We want to make sure that they're ready to step into uh, their role as professionals, highly skilled professionals in these companies, with the, the, the right uh, tools under their, in their belt. And so uh, this dual education product is really what we're selling. Jörg, I just want to come back to you for a moment because you've been very successful in doing this with MTU America. And you've done going, if you have going in three locations, is that correct? Not just Aiken, South Carolina? Yeah, uh, the other manufacturing location is in Mankato, Minnesota, where we built diesel and and gas generators to to provide electricity as heat power or emergency power, standby, whatever. And uh, they have a similar program, uh, slightly different due to the rules in Minnesota, but it's the same approach. It approaches high school students, encourages them to come to their facility to get paid, to learn a skill, and uh, if possible, to stay with the company. Your sure. have you been approached by the other manufacturers in the industry that, that uh, are interested in your program, asking how they can do it or duplicate it? Yeah, we have, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we are, uh, the program is is nationally recognized and there are so many uh, initiatives in South Carolina, but even out of Washington, where we start uh, to work together with the Department of Education, the Department of Labor, uh, they start to create this community of industries nationwide. Uh, to learn how to, to build this up, and we are part of this of this movement as well. So we need a lot of companies. Are there any uh, uh, industry events or trade shows, uh, that, that you know about, there that companies can go to to learn how they can craft an apprenticeship program? Because I think what we've heard with Manufacturing mm-hmm. Talk Radio is that. You know, education can only do so much, and at the end of the day, what you really need is a company who has a very specific need of the skill set to consider that they need to do their own apprenticeship program. But the question is how. Have you heard of any trade shows companies can go to to, to learn the how-to? There are really not trade shows, but they are especially initiated by Washington a lot of meetings that take place where um, they advertise for the states, for all 50 states and manufacturer. It's kind of uh, conferences that take place that talk about apprenticeship programs in a wide variety, usually with panel discussion, with breakout discussion, with example. Um, I, I would really start out with the website of the Department of, of Education. Okay. Um, Sure, Um, Michael. In terms of uh, agreement, do it. What do you see uh, your uh, efforts focusing on for 2016 in trying to, you know, change the perceptions and and improve the messaging? You know, it's
3: it's it's all about leveraging. And uh, my task that I see before me is to. uh, uh, really present specific best practices to key people and key groups throughout the state and really plant seeds and keep nursing them during this year uh, to uh, in the hopes that they'll take root, and I think they will. A particular program, for example, is a program called What's So Cool About Manufacturing, where we take young people, uh, middle school, and um, we have various schools, there will be eight this year competing to create a two and a half minute video about a particular manufacturer. Each school selects their own manufacturer. And they just film and they interview people in, in, this, in the company and just relate what they find so cool about it. And uh, then that uh, video is uh, put up for uh, judging. And uh, a winner, quote-unquote, is selected uh, in terms of certain parameters. But in the final analysis, everyone is winning because, uh, you know, they're really digging in deeper into what manufacturing is about and uh, through the eyes of manufacturing employees themselves. And there are a host of other programs that we'll be working on uh, as well. And it was mentioned earlier about bringing uh, uh, educators to facilities and parents directly to facilities without the kids and letting them see firsthand what's going on uh, and then having that those uh, impressions conveyed to the young people.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray, what do you see the uh, Advanced Manufacturing Talent Network working on? What's, what's going to be your focus in 2016? Well, uh, you know, we're going to continue to work with manufacturers and create partnerships uh, between manufacturers and educators uh, because uh, you know, there is a strong need to do that, um, develop, continue to develop programs that will meet the manufacturer's needs, um, you know we'll be working with Michael on this Dream to Do It program, one, one thing that a uh, big activity we're doing this year, one that we actually accomplished last year. we, we accomplished the inaugural, inaugural New Jersey Makers Day last March, working with the, uh, the Skyway Public Library System. You know, when we talk about reaching out to young people and their parents, the library system is a great way to do that. So we expect to expand that partnership. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, when is the New Jersey Makers Day this year, Michael? There's two days,
3: right? Yes, I believe it's um, April 16th. Uh, and 17th. Oh,
1: March, March? March? Is it March? Um, you know, I don't have that data. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> anyway, uh, that'll be coming up. It'll be posted on our website. Uh, so that's a big activity, again, trying to get young people interested in manufacturing careers, getting the programs developed so they can take them and, uh, and get trained, working with manufacturers to understand what their needs are more, even more, and educating them about the possibilities and getting them engaged with, uh, with uh, the young people.
2: Ian, how about Metaforce? What's your focus for
1: 2016? We are in the process of founding more educational sites. So we're right now we've extended to three more counties uh, for this coming year, and we're doing uh, implementation, program implementation, as well as gathering uh, more uh, industry leaders. You know, one of the the things that we um, are run with an advisory board. And that's more than 50% of those leaders on the board are industry. And uh, one of the things that we are, we're talking about is as the program expands uh, regionally in New Jersey, we need to make sure that we have a good representation of manufacturers from those different locations so that geographically uh, the states represented. So we're working on those things uh, as well. Industry. Uh, the... Uh uh MechaForce have a website that people can go to? We do. It's actually under construction. Hopefully it will be up in the next week or two. So maybe if people are listening to an archive show that will go to it. It's uh, www.mechaforce.org. I'm sorry, M-E-C-H-A-F-O-R-C-E.org. MechaForce.org. Mm-hmm. And, Ray, how about uh, your your operation is there a website folks can go to Yes. You dot org man great and michael how about uh for uh agreement of do it
3: yes it could be uh access two ways actually
1: to the manufacturer NJ website. Oh, I think we just somehow got disconnected with Michael, so mm-hmm. well yeah you know, uh, the uh, website could be website can be accessed accessed through the right. manufacturer right. website as well. There'll be a link to do it. Great, great. Um, I want to thank each of you gentlemen for being on the show and in York I kinda of wanna wrap up with you you know, being a manufacturer out there who's done the apprenticeship program. Uh, are, is there anything else you would like to share with our listening audience about, you know, apprenticeship programs in general, uh, uh, maybe uh, something that uh, can be helpful or useful to them? Uh, yeah, I, there's one thing. First of all, uh, I found another website. It's actually called uh, Apprenticeship USA. If you Google that, you end up... Uh, one of the links is to the Department of Labor and there is everything they do and from there it trickles down. So in South Carolina we have an apprenticeship South Carolina. They have programs, they have trainings. Uh, that's probably the easiest way to, to find it. Um, one thing that I realize and I have always likely discussions even with those that have apprenticeship programs is really the question of how much how much should we standardize these programs? So what I mean by that, if somebody has a certificate that says I'm an industrial mechanic basic and this person has done it with MTU in South Carolina, how does a company in California understand what the skills are? They probably don't because there is no standard nationwide. There is sometimes not even a standard uh, statewide, so that's a thing that we are very used as a company coming from Germany because the standards are nationwide and what we see here is a lot of activities, a lot of initiatives but not so much standardization so you can compare the skills and you can compare uh, the students and actually the workers have the possibility to move to other states and get recognized with their skills. So this is really something that I am looking forward to get more of this standardization and alignment within all these activities that I'm seeing going on. It's a very interesting point because you know, in the metalworking industry, if folks are familiar with it, there's all kinds of you know, national standards and uh, even countries have their own standards organizations so that you know that a piece of annealed carbon steel in Germany is the same as it is in the USA and standardization Skill skill sets. It's a great idea. We'll uh, we'll certainly want to follow that one and maybe touch base with you later in the year in order to see where that's at and to talk a little bit more about it. But I uh, appreciate you being on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you. I want to thank all of our listeners, and we'll be back with another show next week on Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. But thanks to all of our guests and thanks to our listeners for Manufacturing Talk Radio.
0: Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at msgtalkradio.com.